This is the Plan Simple Podcast. The one for you, my dear, the woman who wears so many hats. We both know how many people in your life benefit when you're at your best. What would happen if you were to ditch overwhelm and wear all those hats with ease? I'm going to share how simple this can be. We will dive into how to make health, family, home, spirituality, productivity, and entrepreneurship more easeful. Incredible friends and guests will come by for inspirational conversations, valuable shares, and real strategies so you can plan for your best life. My name is Mia Moran. I'm a mother of three, a wife, an entrepreneur, a coach, and your host. I wear a lot of hats, and I am committed to leading a balanced life and sharing all that I have learned and am learning with you. You're ready? Let's flow. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I'm super excited to be here with you today. We're going to be talking about decluttering, organizing, minimalism. It's a hot topic right now in Flow 365, our community. It's always been a hot topic. Actually, that's why I'm going to get a couple people on to talk about it over the next few months. Today, we're going to be talking with Sona Evatissian. She's a professional organizer and decluttering coach. She focuses a lot of her work with mothers, and I'm just really excited for you to hear some of her wisdom today. And one of the things that I've noticed, I'm going to tell you a few things in this intro, a few things about me and a few things about Flow 365 and what I've been noticing come up. So I'm going to start with me. So I am a minimalist by nature. Like I tend to be able to get rid of stuff. I don't like having a lot of stuff. And I live in a house with four other people and a dog. And my kids are teenagers. So it was, it's been a few years of them being in this world and having things, right? And I've noticed that I have a different relationship with other people's stuff than I have with my stuff. I've also been with my husband. We've been together since we were seniors in high school. So we obviously, we haven't shared our stuff since then, but it's been quite a while. And so like, I noticed that like, oh, I got rid of all my college books and oh, we still have his, (laughs) you know, things like that. I noticed that from time to time. So I'm thinking a little bit about that, like what it means to be in a home with other people's stuff. The other thing I've been thinking a lot about is just the closed doors. So our home still, I would say, looks very minimalist when we invite guests over. It feels warm and cozy, and yet there's not so many things. Yet sometimes I'll open a cabinet and I'm like, what's in here? Like, why are these things in here? There's one in particular that used to be, it's like, a beautiful cabinet and it's where our stereo was, but that's not how we listen to music anymore. We have phones that stream Spotify and come through speakers. <laughs> and it's like, we don't use those things that are in that cabinet, which includes quite a few CDs. And yet the cabinet seems clean from the outside and decluttered and all the things. So I've been thinking about those things and am I ready to put the energy into just what would happen? What would happen if that was just 
empty? <laughs> you know, what could move from other seen places in there? How could that be more functional? So I've been thinking a lot about that sort of closets, cabinet situations. We have a couple. And the other thing I've been thinking a lot about is the basement. So for me, the basement is kind of out of sight, out of mind a little bit, although it's where our I do laundry, so I do walk through the things. So I guess I'm presented with this every day, but then I walk back upstairs to something that feels quite reasonable. But the other day I saw a picture of our basement when we first moved in 14 years ago. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is what this space looks like. And you know, so there's part of me that wants to go through that too. It's like, well, what if that was empty? What if these cabinets were more streamlined? How would life be different? And how would my life actually, how would I even be able to add more value? And it's weird because these things don't really affect the value I'm adding. But the more and more people I talk to about decluttering, the more and more I'm like, oh, maybe they do. So that's a little bit what I'm thinking about. Two of my three kids, as you all know, have left home this year to go to college and go on adventures. And so I've really been thinking a lot about this space and what it is now and how it welcomes them back and serves us when they're gone and all those things, which has me thinking a bit more about decluttering than usual. And then the other thing that happens is that within Flow 365, we meet every Monday to go through in small groups everybody's goals for the week, everybody's most important three things for the week. And decluttering is often one of them for a lot of people. So I feel like decluttering is one of those things that is most universal among our beautifully diverse group of women. We have women of who have all different aged kids, all different stages of career. So often like work goals and relationship goals, we're all in this wonderful container together, but they're a little bit more different than decluttering seems to keep coming up in more similar ways. So I've just been pondering this and thinking about this a lot lately because we don't want to just be thinking about our stuff and moving it around all the time. To me, that does feel like a waste of time because there's just so many places that the world needs our energy right now, right? And so the more people I talk to, and you'll be hearing from them too, the more intriguing it becomes to me that like, how can we get into practices that don't have us having to, you know, feel bad about having people over because of our stuff or take out whole days and weekends to get rid of stuff only to end up back there just, you know, a few months later. How do we clean off our desk and keep it that way? How do we continue tending to things? And how does all of this not feel like a huge burden? That's really what I've been getting from speaking to people on this topic is like how we make this just part of our care for ourselves. And so I'm really excited to start that conversation here now. So we're going to, here's one of the episodes with the amazing Sona and you'll learn, I hope, some really great tricks, tools, ways of thinking that will help you as you head into a season that sometimes has more, I feel like November, December, especially if you're celebrating holidays in that time or have more people coming home in that time, I think is what happens. Or there's more I don't know, parties, gatherings for a lot of people in this season right now. And we're coming inside in a lot of places because it's cooler outside. I feel like it's a great opportunity to have small wins in this area of decluttering. So I'm hoping that this really serves you in that way. 
All right. We have so many exciting things coming up. I hope you're still saving that date of November 17th for Make December Matter. That's coming up. The planner is coming out imminently. So stay tuned for all those things. Make sure that you're listening in or getting our emails and I'll keep you updated. But for now, let's get the amazing Sona on the show. Hi, Sona. Welcome to the Plan Simple podcast. Hello, hello. I'm so glad to be here, Mia. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have you. And this is a topic that like, I never pretend to have advice about. We're going to be talking about sort of decluttering and organizing. And I never, like, I don't want to say I have advice about it. I'm like definitely a minimalist by nature, although my kids might not say that, but I'm always like, y'all, I'm minimalist by nature. It's just you all have a lot of stuff at this point. Like, <laughs> I don't like a lot of stuff. So it's funny, but, and as I coach women on time management and energy management, it's like, this comes up a lot right? Because it creates a lot of, I think it just creates a lot of mind clutter as well as it comes up as something that people want to get done and have a hard time finding space for. So I'm so excited to be diving into this topic with you today. I love covering it, you know, every once in a while so that everybody's getting the momentum to keep going forward in their homes. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to talk about it. (laughs) So let's just start by like really quickly getting everyone. I mean, you've been, I formally introduced you, but like, just tell everybody like you're a little bit about your story. Have you always been organized? What are you balancing? I know you have kids too. So tell us a little bit about who you are. Okay. So I've kind of always been organized, not when I was a kid, but my, it's a long story how my mom (laughs) made me into the most organized person ever. But ever since maybe high school, I've been very organized. I realized that I was starting to have problems when I started to have kids. And, you know, kids come with so much stuff. And especially with my first kid, I I thought I had to have everything from a stroller to, (laughs) to, yeah. And it just kept collecting. And then with the American dream, my husband and I always dreamt about a beautiful house where we could host our friends and everything. And when we bought our dream house, soon I realized that I had been happier living in an apartment than in that beautiful, perfect house because all of my time was just going on organizing and cleaning after the kids and figuring out how to put their toys in a way that I just went through so much trial and error. I finally figured out that, and after reading a lot of books too, I realized that kids really don't need much. And as simple as you can make it, they actually play with their toys even longer and their imagination and their creativity develops when they have fewer things. So after 17 years of marriage, my husband and I got a divorce. And when I moved, what we're talking about, what we're going to live. And I realized I no longer wanted to live in that huge house. I just wanted the smallest space because I knew that my life was about to change dramatically. And I wanted to be there to emotionally support my kids. And for that to happen, And with my obsession with like beautiful spaces and everything in this place, I needed to have a small space. So from a five bedroom to a studio apartment at the beach, but it was amazing. We spent so much time together, my kids and I, and I was able to start a business and create a new community because I had moved an hour away from my community. 
So just going through that and realizing that with fewer things, you're actually able to spend more time doing the things that really add value to your life. Now, I'm so passionate about it that I help my clients do the same to find out what's really important to them. I love that. Oh my gosh, that's so good. And it's interesting because I'm, I, do you know the work of Kim John Payne? No, I would love so to. So he wrote a book called Simplicity Parenting. So when my oh. kids were born, I read that. And so I sort of got on that bandwagon of like, stuff isn't the best solution in the world. And it's still easy. Like even when with that philosophy, it's still easy to like accumulate things just from like, artwork and meaning like relatives and birthday parties. And, you know, yeah. like, so it definitely was always a thing, but I love that that's where you came from. And the other thing I'll share is that when I wrote my first book and I went on the road on a book tour, mm -hmm. we basically lived out of our minivan for whatever, six months, you know, and we stayed in a whole combination of houses to hotels to just different places. Mm -hmm. But it was so easy. Like it seemed like so much technically because I was like speaking pretty much every day. I was homeschooling my kids. My husband was there sometimes, but he would like commute back and forth from Boston. And I spent a lot of my time on the West coast. And so it seemed like I was doing so much more, but I swear it was because of the stuff. Like it felt totally manageable. Like wash wasn't an issue. I just did it when the clothes were dirty, which happened more frequently, but it was just like, easy to figure it out and finish it. Like nobody had any things. Like I laugh sometimes because I bought this like huge tote bag full of like all the supplies I thought I needed to homeschool. Like I had bought all these curriculums. We like never used it. So eventually <laughs> I realized that was like a lot of weight to be like carrying in a car. And I just recycled it because I was like, we're not using this. It's so silly. So it really showed me that like we try to fill the space at home, like, you know, and I consider myself somewhat of a minimalist, but even as a minimalist, I had filled our home with things that like, we didn't really need. So yeah, love, love we really this. don't need as much as we think we do. And when we start working with a client in the beginning, they're so they resist uh, getting rid of some stuff. They really think that they're going to need it one day. And the important thing is not to force them, is to ask the right questions. So they kind of, through answering these questions, they realize, you know what, I don't really, you know, need it. And little by little, when they develop this muscle, I suddenly see a switch and then they are like, oh, I don't need this. And I don't need, I'm like, what just happened? But it happens to every client. Well, you talk, I mean, this comes up literally all the time on our calls of like, I put in the time, like I really wanted to declutter this corner or I put in the time to declutter this space and I just got stuck because I found a memory or I couldn't figure out what I couldn't make the choices in that moment or I couldn't let go. Will you talk through a little bit about that and like what are some of the questions and how can we make that process of letting go of things more easeful? Absolutely. Just as in, let's say, when you want to get on a healthy lifestyle, living a clutter-free life, it is a lifestyle. So it takes time to really ease into it. When people think that it's going to happen instantly or they are going to dedicate a weekend to doing the garage and stuff, most of the time it's a temporary solution. They get overwhelmed oh, because first of all, it's not a great idea to start with a big project like that, especially if you haven't been living a lifestyle like that. So my first 
advice would be to start as small as you can. There are organizing in itself is not easy, but it is simple. There are certain steps that you need to follow. And if you follow those steps, then it's going to be like, it's going to happen. However, you need to start from the smallest space. It can be just your purse or your car or like a junk drawer. Usually people get stuck when they start looking through things that mean something to them that are of sentimental value. So I recommend keeping all that stuff towards the end so you can decide, okay, if you're ready to declutter your life, you can start from one drawer a week or whatever you can fit into your schedule and just go through it and discard things that are broken, that are duplicates, that you can use something else to do the same function or Maybe they belong to somebody and it's been stuck (laughs) with you. And your task is to get rid of this, not to keep it in some place because then it's just going to collect and you're not going to move. So by doing this, you're actually able to see, you know what? I am seeing the results of my work and I can do it. And little by little, you gain confidence. So you can go another drawer and another cabinet. Once you're done getting rid of stuff, then you can do the organizing. I think most of the hardest part is a lot of people think organizing and decluttering are the same thing. Organizing, you're basically, if you're just organizing and the first thing you do is to go and buy containers and some kind of solutions, you're organizing your clutter. So it's going to be temporary. You're just putting things from one place to another. Maybe it looks neat, but it hasn't been working because you have too much stuff. You have things that are not in the right place. But once you get rid of stuff, you realize you have way more room than you thought you did. Another thing is if somebody thinks that they have outgrown their space and they move into a new home, I can guarantee that in two years, they're going to feel that they outgrow that home as well and need a bigger space because they haven't developed the habits that make it possible for them to fit in the space. They keep, maybe they have shopping habits that are not mindful, you know, and if you see that you have more space and you keep feeling it, it's just going to get to the same state. So if you're really serious about living a clutter-free life to have more time to really do the things that make you happy, then you have to ease into it slowly and know your why why you're doing it. What is it going to bring into your life? What is it going to cost you if you keep living this life? So that's an important. Okay. So two scenarios that I see come up is that like having trouble letting go of something. So what Mm -hmm. do you see as the top reasons of why people have trouble letting go of something that really in the end, like, right. So I feel like you've probably seen people that like on this day are like, there's no way I can let go of it. And then three months later, or like, of course I can let go of it. Right. Cause you're working with mm-hmm. people on the whole trajectory. So like what changes from when I'm like not ready to ready. So when in the beginning you just get rid of stuff that really doesn't mean something to you and then months pass and you're like, you don't even remember you had this item. So you're like, oh, okay. And then slowly. So another thing might be, oh, I don't want to get rid of this picnic basket. I spent so much money on it. It's beautiful, but they haven't used it since they bought it two years ago. They still think that they're going to use it one day. And they really think they have the space for it because it fits somewhere right now. But what is important to understand is By using the space for something you're not using, you're taking away from 
something else that you're actually using. And if you moved things around and got rid of the stuff that you're not using and put the things that you are using, you would save so much time and energy every day because you would access things so much easier. You know, you know where everything is. So when let's say they say, oh, but I think I'm going to use it one day. Okay. Is anything in your life about to change that is going to make it possible? Because if you have your schedule, like nothing in your life is about to change, neither your work nor your life status in any way. If you haven't been able to make time for it in two years, then most likely you're not going to be able to make time for it because you have other commitments, other things that you love to do more. So if you have this $40 that you spend on this, but what is it costing you? It's costing you so much more money on your time, energy, health, your relationship with the people living in your family, because you're constantly fighting about things that people don't put in the right place. But, you know, if you had the space, you Mm. could have a better organized space. So it's costing you way more than $40. I love that. Like, I love the idea that like, if something had a better space, it wouldn't cause like an argument or, you know, Mm -hmm. or just even clutter of something else. That's a really good point. And I feel like books are one of those things that like, I can understand the two year rule with the picnic basket. And I feel like books are something that we have this whole other story or some people have this whole other story around. I know I did for a very long time. And though I got rid of a lot of my books, I will fully admit to other people in my household having books they're still holding on to. And Mm -hmm. I feel like for some reason books, we have this like weird relationship, like we might go back to them someday or like, what do you think about books? About books, this is my personal rule. If I like a book, the first time I read it, just to know what it's about and if it resonates with me. If it does, then I read it more than three times because to really read a book, I'm talking about, let's say, self-development books, obviously, but if something, just to read it, to know it is not the same as implementing it. So I feel like you need to read it many times. Those books I love to keep. They're my staples. I always have them for reference. But the books that I got and I never read or something that I read once but never felt the need to read it again, I would most likely donate it to a library. Another thing with books, I love to read and I love that my kids do too. But I realized I was collecting so many books because I loved that we had books in our home and everything. But my kids constantly want to read new books and I want to support the libraries as well. So we have this tradition when we go to the library, they spend an hour just browsing through the books, choosing them. They bring it home, they read it, they take it back. And my little one really loves scanning and she feels like she's shopping. (laughs) So I believe personally that if you really love a book, it's worth to have it. But other than that, I would rather, you know, use the library. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And Mm -hmm. Books were a weird thing. When we moved into our house, we built in this like whole entire wall of shelves. And before I was a coach, I actually designed books. And so I have this like love for them as like an art form. And I remember like, maybe it was like just before the pandemic, I just needed to, maybe it was like right during it. Cause I like, it was a time when everybody was coming home and we were needing more space literally for everyone to learn. And I just remember going and taking all my art books and just being like, I haven't looked at these since college. Like they're beautiful Mm -hmm. books, but I like Mm -hmm. 
I don't need them right now. I'm not referencing them. And I did that. I gave them to the library. I probably put them in the basement for a little because probably at that moment you couldn't bring them to the library. But I remember bringing them to the library and it just like freed up this other space that I didn't necessarily have to fill, but it was like a helpful like resting space for stuff I was actually like working on, you know, like a basket of like stones for like meditation practice I had and like a candle and like a pile of things the kids were working on. It was just really helpful to like have that space. And I hadn't realized it because I thought since we had this bookshelf, we could fill mm -hmm. it. Yeah, that's so, actually a lot of people feel like just because they have the space, they need to feel it. And sometimes it just feels so much. You get into a more creative space when there is room to breathe in, whether it's a drawer. Like, let me bring an example of a refrigerator. A lot of people have this big refrigerators and they feel like they need to have it full. I have just a few things, you know, and you really don't need to fill it. And people who want some of my clients who change their ways and they don't feel it anymore, they actually use it up. They get more creative to they see what they have. But going back to books, I really understand your hesitation. And a lot of people, I'm a very sentimental person myself. I'm a minimalist, but I do have memory boxes. And this is how I decide what to keep and what to get rid of. Sometimes all you need is time. Something that really meant a lot to you. A few years later, you look at it, it's like, oh, that was a nice memory, but it doesn't, you don't have the same emotional attachment to it. And sometimes it's good. Like every time I move or go through a life change, I open my memory boxes and see if I need to let go of some things. But a nice rule of thumb is this. Let's say, God forbid, there was fire in my home. What would I feel the saddest about if, if I no longer had them? For me, those are my journals. They really mean a lot to me. So when you're looking through stuff and deciding whether you should keep it or not, even if it's something beautiful, you should just pay attention to what your body does when you're thinking about this object. If it's something that is going to bring so much excitement and value, frame it, you know, you don't even need to keep it in a memory box, frame it. If every time you look at it, it's going to inspire you to come up with a better book or a better podcast or inspire a client even more, frame it, have it in front of you all the time. But if it's just something that's nice, again, how much does it change the aura? Every time you talk, you add like five questions I want to ask. So I'm like <laughs> remembering the questions. So, okay, so I'm going to get back. I would love you to answer the question in a second mm -hmm. about what is a memory box? Because I think that might mm -hmm. fascinate some people. But before we go there, one of the like the stages that I find people often get stuck on is like that initial decluttering instinct, like causes us to like get everything out and maybe even make some pretty big initial choices. And then I notice a lot that people get stuck on the like, they didn't finish the project or they didn't get the things out of the house. And because, you know, I feel like we've become really like, well, I don't know, maybe it's just women. We're really thoughtful. And so I love the idea of like bringing the books to the library, but I find that often it's like people don't want to throw things away. They don't even want to recycle them. They want them to go to a better place or be used. Uh -huh. Like they don't want to feel like they've wasted something. Uh -huh. So what do you say to that piece? Like, do you notice that people get stuck on that part of like getting the things out? <laughs> yeah. So 
when it comes to environmental concerns, which I have them too, I really don't like wasting things. But because of that, I had to go through it to feel the pain to decide to live my life in a different way going forward. I had to forgive myself for my past mistakes. Okay, like I got all of this. Did I really need it? Now I have to really like find a way just trying to sell stuff. It took so much time and energy that I was like, I'm not going to buy this like expensive dress anymore unless I can, you know, I know that some of the clothes like this dress I have worn for maybe six years and it costs a lot, but I love it so much that I wear it so much and I don't mind if I have to wear a lot of times. Yes. I don't buy anything that's a maybe. I used to do that before. If something is a maybe, it's an instant no. So changing my ways of becoming a more mindful shopper because I don't want to deal with taking stuff to a donation center when I have to take care of my kids. I don't want to think about selling things. I I don't want to deal with that part. So now I have become a more conscious shopper. And so what I would say to people who are having a hard time with that, it's just something we have to deal with now because of our past choices. If it makes it easier for you to, it is painful to donate things that you don't know people are actually going to sell or use or anything because you want to give it to somebody who actually needs it. Yes. But if you're not able to do it, it's better to do it, get rid of it, declutter your life and start new than to have it staring at you all day, taking energy that you could be giving to your kids or your husband or your friends to make the world a better place because those things. I love that. And I'm just thinking like how easy it probably is to feel like the behavior is going to continue, like you're always going to be giving away stuff. So you should do it thoughtfully. But what you're saying is like, no, this is a temporary thing because you're going to change your behavior on the other side and you're not going to bring Mm -hmm. in that much stuff. And as I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, yeah, I've actually totally done that. Like that's been Mm -hmm. something that I've experienced in my life. So I love that. So good. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So I'm not sure which question answered, but one of the things I would love to pause on actually is, so you've used the word, if you've referred to yourself a few times as a minimalist, and I think that's part of what you even call yourself. So in your company, so will you just explain a little bit to everybody? I feel like we should have started here, but we're going to circle back around to this, like what this actually means to you. A lot of people think that minimalism is about spending less money or having fewer things. My idea of minimalism is quality over quantity, really being, it's intentional living. For me, minimalism is intentional living. If you want to live in a big house, have everything, that is fine too. You can still be a minimalist as long as it is something that is aligned with your values. I feel like a lot of people want to have the big house, but they don't have the means to really also have the things that come with a big house, which you're going to need help. You're going to need somebody that comes and cleans. So they have the big house. They live the American dream, whatever society things that, but they spend their entire day maintaining that house. So for a lot of people, minimalism is about owning less, having fewer things. My idea of minimalism is intentional living, really getting clear on what's important for you and doing that. If for you is having a big home, that's okay as long as you have the means to also 
maintain it without putting all of your time and effort into it. If it's something, if you like to travel, then you can still be a minimalist and have, you know, fewer things. So you're always able to move from one place to another. I feel like for me personally, I had to get very honest with myself and ask myself these questions. What is truly making me happy? I thought that big house was going to be about hosting more events and because Friends are what's important to me. Fun is what's important to me. Health is what's important to me. But I wasn't able to, you know, do any of those things the way I wanted to because it took a lot of time to maintain the big house. So becoming really clear on what makes you happy and living life, prioritizing that over anything else. That's my idea of minimalism. I love it. And not letting like the stuff doesn't get in the way of what matters most. Yeah. yeah, because in current society, there's so many options for fun, for education, for things to do, for ways to spend your time and money. And we feel like we have to have it all. But the time hasn't changed. It's still 24 hours in each day. So if we're not very mindful about where our time goes, we're going to be so overwhelmed trying to figure out which one to pay our attention and time to. Yeah, I love that. And quick question about the library. Mm -hmm. So like my two oldest kids are, well, my three kids are all teenagers, but my two oldest in high school in the past few years decided that like one of the things they really wanted to do was not have paper in their lives, which I mm -hmm. totally love for them. And I do run a business that has a paper planner. So I will fully admit that we plant trees on the other side, but so my daughter who reads voraciously, they're big library goers. So there's a lot of library mm -hmm. book stuff happening, but there's also a Kindle, which changed things. So do you believe that like, like, I feel like there is such thing as digital clutter, but like, mm -hmm. can it affect us? Like could having too many books on a Kindle affect us in the same way as having too many books on a bookshelf? It can, if you're having a hard time deciding what to read, if it takes any space in your mind, like, which one should I read? But I want oh, this. And yeah. then you're wasting your time thinking about these things, then it might be time to maybe archive some and just decide what you're going to read. And then after you're done with that, then get another one. So it's not taking space in your mind. I love that. All right. So I'm still going to get back to the question that I need to remember to ask you at the end, but that feels like it dovetails really well into the notion of decluttering our minds, which I know is something that you're really passionate about right now. Do you want to just talk about that for a moment? Yeah. So I realized recently, you know, I'm a single mom. I have two kids. I'm running my own business and I prioritize health and fun and my friends and stuff. So I have a very full plate. And sometimes I do get this moment where I'm like, my mind starts racing. I just don't know which one to pay attention to. And I get overwhelmed and anxious. And last time this happened to me, I decided to use the same organizing steps that I do for physical spaces to my mind, and it worked great. So I like to share it with other oh, I love that. Who are having this. So the first step of organizing is to empty everything out, whether it's like the drawer you're working, just take everything out. So all of those things that are going in my mind, I just open my journal and I start writing every single thing that comes up in my mind is just a dump, like whatever I think about. Then the second step of organizing is categorizing, which is like all of the things that you dumped, you categorize. So I'll categorize through, okay, it has to do with parenting. This is the business thing. This is 
for the friend. And then if necessary, I will subcategorize them. And then the next step in organizing is purging, whatever doesn't serve you anymore. So I look at it and it's like, can I ideally fit this? Is it important enough? Does it, is it aligned with my values and my goals and stuff? If it doesn't, no matter how much I want to do it, I just say bye to it. I just concentrate on the most important things. And the last two steps are finding a home and containerizing. So basically creating a separation. For my mind work, I realized, okay, so these are my categories. Okay, for parenting, what can I do for this? I find a solution for it. And then I find a place in my calendar. So I just make it an appointment so that I can, you know, have a, because if we decide, oh, this is something very important to me, I have to take care of it. When I have time, I will. You're never going to find the time because when the time comes, you're probably going to do something else. So I make sure to put it in my calendar so I give it attention and it works wonders. So if anybody's ever feeling anxious and stuff, just dump it all out. I love it. That's literally how our planner works, by the way. So thank you. You just sold the whole process. (laughs) Amazing. Okay. So you're a minimalist, Mm -hmm. but... And I should say you create memory boxes. So will you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about the special things you keep? Because I feel like there is a little thing about minimalism that it's like super practical, right? Like, mm-hmm. so it's like for people who are really practical and don't care about mm-hmm. memories. This started uh, when I was a kid and I started collecting things like the first invitation that my friend invited me to her birthday really meant a lot to me because this was the first time somebody was inviting me to their birthday or a really meaningful letter. Somebody from Instagram who had been following me for years wrote about how I changed her life and I had no idea this person exists. Like things that have really added warm emotions and made me feel proud And again, this changes. So maybe something that really meant to like right now, I feel very good about getting rid of that little invitation because it doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Interesting. So if I didn't have the space, I would just go through and choose the most important things like that letter or my journals and stuff. But right now I do have the space for it. So I haven't prioritized getting rid of some stuff because there's always, like I said, more important things that need my attention. But if I moved into a smaller space and I needed to downsize, I could easily do that by using that technique of how much does it mean to me? Does my face light up? Does my heart open when I see this? Or is it just a nice memory? I love that. And do you, this is another random question about it that has to do with my Mm -hmm. current organizing project, which Mm -hmm. is that I am definitely like one of the ways that I'm thinking about two of my kids have left home in the past two months, which is, Mm. oh my gosh, (laughs) I can't even imagine sometimes. But one of the things that I've realized after just like letting it all sit and settle and not moving a thing is like, I get to create my now relationship with them. Like, what does that look like now? And part of that is like, what do they really want? And what do I really want? And just how do we let go of the rest? Like, and for me, I kept our above ground level, very decluttered their whole life. But I would, I was like queen of the basement. So if like Mm -hmm. artwork came home, I'd put it in the basement. You know, if like a project Mm -hmm. came home, I'd put it in the basement. So now I'm like, the basement needs to be cleaned. 
And I was mm-hmm. thinking about this the other day. And one of the things I did was I like brought up some of the stuff. And I was like, I don't think I want to keep anything that won't fit in like our main space, like even memories. And for a long time, memories went in the basement. So when you're talking about these memory boxes, do they fit in your main living space? Are they something that you like look at from time to time? So they don't fit in my main space currently. I mean, if you look at this frame, like I do have a wall where I pin my current memories, something that really is meaningful to me at this moment. But with my past memories, they're just in memory boxes away from side. But this is not something that I recommend, especially if somebody gets really attached to a lot of things. Because if you keep it in a box, what is the point of it? You know, let me bring an example. When my mom passed away, my brother had a very hard time getting rid of anything of hers. He wanted to keep her jewelry or closer documents. It just pained him to even think about getting rid of these things. So he just packed them away and he stored it somewhere. Me, on the other hand, I kept one of my mom's dresses that looked so good on her. And for some reason, I thought maybe when I'm her age, I'll wear it too. (laughs) (laughs) And two of her perfumes, because every time I smelled it, I felt like I was inside her neck or like she was hugging me. And that is something that is meaningful to me and reminds me of my mom. And is somewhere that I can, like, I keep it at a place where I can just open and smell whenever I'm meeting her and stuff. The other day, I realized that the dress is no more meaningful to me. So I'm going to send it to my aunts. But what is the point of my brother keeping all of these things when he doesn't even get a chance to look at it? It's just for him, it feels like those items are the extensions of her, but they're not. If he has the memories inside his mind and if it really is meaningful, he can take pictures or like choose the ones that are really, really meaningful and have it somewhere in his space, maybe a book of hers or like her poetry book and put it in the somewhere where he can see and actually have some kind of a contact with her. But if it's just stored away in a box, it's just taking space. But again, if I'm working with a client, this is what I would say. If their parent has passed away very recently and it's too painful don't even think about dealing with it just yet there's so much more other things that you can get rid of now and little by little when the time comes i have seen them be more able to get rid of things that before they couldn't even face let alone get rid of so i love that well i feel like we covered so much (laughs) like different aspects so i hope everyone got a lot from that So can you tell everybody how they can find you? I know you have like an amazing course and you're always posting tips. Like what's Mm -hmm. the best way to connect with you? So I am on theminimalist.me, not .com, but .me. It is the same handle on Instagram. I also have a newsletter where I shower my subscribers with tips. I know some people have been able to declutter their entire homes just by reading it. So it makes me happy. The course and everything else is just on the website. So theminimalist.me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything I missed? No, I think you did a very good job on covering everything. I know, right? I'm interested in your book 
designing. I have so many questions about that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll, yes, we'll keep talking. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us here today. And yeah, thanks so much. At the end of every episode, we always share three doable changes so you can take what you've heard and put it into action. As you know, I definitely think that change comes from action. I know that change comes from action. Doable changes are the things that add up in your life one at a time to make micro shifts and really create a ripple effect that will create big change over time. So the myth is that because the change you're wanting feels really big, that the action has to be really big. That's not true. It can be so doable. And when you stack one doable change on top of the next, it creates the biggest change by a ripple effect that it's hard to even understand as you start taking action. So I always share three at the end of every episode, and I recommend that you actually choose one and really go with it, really fit it into your week, into your days, make it work for you, and then move on to the next one. Okay. Here are three doable changes for my conversation with Sona. The first one is declutter one small space. Pick one space. It could be your purse or a bag or the junk drawer. Those are all good starting places that Sona mentioned. And first, get rid of anything that is broken. Anything that's broken, anything that's a duplicate, trash, or belongs to somebody else. I love that list, right? Is there anything else that you find that you realized you didn't need or want? Then get rid of that. And then you organize what's left. So the next step in this doable change is once you've decluttered the space, you get intentional about what goes into that space. Check in each day and clear out anything that's starting to creep in. So see how this could really be a beautiful, doable change or practice that you're leaning into for an entire week, even if you declutter the space on day one. All right. I love that one. Actually, I'm thinking of doing that one for my desk just to be fully transparent. Okay. Number two, notice how you feel. Some stuff just feels harder to get rid of than other things. Books, sentimental objects, things we paid a lot of money for, right? All these things can feel really heavy to let go of. So instead, try this. Think about the object and notice how you feel in your body. Does your face light up? Does your heart open? Do you feel weight or tension? The light and the opening up, that suggests there's a reason to keep the object, the weight or tension or guilt or should in it all suggests that you can let it go. I love this one because I coach a lot of people who are feeling that heavy weight and thinking that that means that it's something that should be held on to. So I think this is an ingenious one to practice for a week. All right, here's doable change number three. Declutter your mind. So yes, we talked so much about things, but sometimes we have too much mental clutter. So grab a journal, grab a scrap piece of paper, grab your flow planner because there's actually a brain dump area and write down everything in your mind, everything. And then you can start to organize it once you see all the stuff and you can notice what aligns with your values and goals right now and what you can prioritizing the things that are important, right? 
and letting go of what's not aligning with your values, not aligning with what you want. I love this practice. It makes everything easier. All right. Those are the three doable changes from this episode. I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you know a woman who wants a little more simple and a lot more flow, share this episode and send them over to the Plan Simple website to download our free course. And if you can find a five minute window today between meetings in the carpool line while you're eating your lunch, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. This one action plays such a big part in helping other women find us. And I have so much gratitude for you in advance. So thank you so much. Until next week, dream big, plan from your heart and have a great day.